You are listening to Here Now Podcast, where we dive deep into faith, hearing loss, and lifestyle, and talk about all the things that you need to be equipped in this journey we call life. I'm your host, Sophia Labano, and this show is here for you to find encouragement in the everyday life that God created for you. Make sure to subscribe to never miss an episode. Thanks for your support. Now let's get into the show. Hello, everybody. What's up? Welcome back to another episode of Here Not Podcast. I'm very excited to welcome my professor, Dr. Hendershot, today. I've been taking her sociology class this semester, and we are here to talk about cancel culture. And I know this is probably going to be a little bit of a harder topic, but I know Dr. Hendershot will take it head on. So welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you. I'm happy to be on. And cancel culture, you're right. This is a hard topic. Yeah, it's a painful topic. Exactly. Um, because it, it affects so many. It affects all of us. I have been canceled in my life. I have had friends who were canceled. Professors are canceled all the time by other professors. Students I see in pain over cancel culture. It's just a huge problem and it's only getting bigger and worse in oh, time. Man. So yeah, I'm happy to be on to talk about that because I think people need to be aware of just how dangerous it is. Dangerous it is. I think it's the most dangerous thing facing us right now. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm so excited to hear your wisdom and just whatever you can share with us. So first, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are and what you do? Yes, I'm I'm a mom and a grandma, first of all. (laughs) My grandson was just visiting here. He's 10 years old and then I have two others. I've been married for 46 years, so a very long time. Yes, I met my husband when I was very young. I dropped out of college to get married when I was 19. Um, People did that in those days. I didn't think I needed college because I was just going to be a mom. So I dropped out and didn't go back until my daughter was in kindergarten. And I've been going to school ever since. I never (laughs) stopped. I got my master's degree in counseling. My undergraduate is psychology. My master's is in counseling. And I worked as a family therapist for many years for a school district in Connecticut, Regional School District 10, where I counseled families with kids who had problems at school, emotionally disturbed kids, or labeled emotionally disturbed. Usually it was the family that was emotionally disturbed. <laughs> it was just fine. It's just the family was messed up. So I did that for many years. But when my children became teenagers, I decided to go back to school and study the theory behind it. I kind of got tired of counseling. Not that I got burned out. Maybe I did, but it is, it's not an easy job dealing with emotionally disturbed kids and families. So I went back and I've been teaching for the past 30 years. Wow. uh, Sociology. I taught for 15 years at the University of San Diego. And I was chair of the department there. Then I left San Diego, went to King's College, which is a small Christian college as a dean for eight years. And then now I'm at Franciscan for the past eight years. That's so amazing. This is my uh, eighth year at Franciscan. And I love it. It's always been my dream to teach in a Catholic, uh, Orthodox Catholic college. And here I am. So that's how <laughs> I got here. I write a lot of books and I write a lot of articles. This year I've published over 50 articles, wow. many of which are about cancel culture. Some of which you've read in the class because I I bring them into the class. I try to give two sides because my side is pretty conservative. I'm sure you've noticed. 
And I bring the other side in too, because it's not fair to just present my side. I want you to see all sides. I just finished writing a book called The Politics of Envy. I know your listeners don't see it, but you can see it. This is my, <laughs> book. This is my newest book. I love it. <laughs> Politics of Envy. And I have a whole chapter on, I call it academic mobbing, because mm -hmm. mobbing behavior is a form of cancel culture. And we'll get into that later. It's when people mob up an individual and they all gang up on them. Mm. Um, I've never had it happen to me, but I have good friends who are prestigious professors who have been mobbed on their campuses, mostly because wow. they're good and people don't like people who are better than they yes. are. And so they have to somehow bring them down. That's what my whole book is about, Envy, the mm. attempt to bring other people down. And cancel culture is exactly that. So that's the long story of how I got interested in cancel culture <laughs> and uh, why, because I think it's dangerous. I think that it can destroy lives. It can destroy, but I think it's all based a lot of it on envy. People yeah. are envious of, I'm sure people are envious of you, Sophia, where you've got your podcast, you have strong faith. There is such yeah. a thing as faith envy. I learned that yeah. doing this book. People are very envious of those with faith because faith is a gift from God. Some people don't open the door to that faith and they're mad at those who have. And so exactly. it's a long story, but yeah, we can, yeah. <laughs> that's who I am. <laughs> I love it. No, I'm so blessed to have been in your class and I'm really sad it's almost over. As we're recording this, I'm almost ready to hand in the final paper for the class. Oh, so, But it has been just so fascinating to see the world from a different perspective and you know, going through all of these articles, like you said, having both sides, I think was the biggest blessing for me, because it really allows you to think for yourself, where some universities, I'm sure you can say this for yourself, that they give you one side, and you can't form your own thoughts. And I think it's just been amazing to have these both perspectives, and especially when they're written by you, they're so great. And I love all the articles <laughs> that you write. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, if you just got me, you would get a very distorted view because it would be my opinion because most of the exactly. articles I give are my opinion. And that's why I think it's really important to give both sides and to give a lot of data. And you're very good with data. I noticed that I want my students to be comfortable with data so that when they make their arguments and their opinions, that it's informed by data because we don't want to just like say, well, I think this and not have anything yeah. to back it up with. So exactly. that's what I try to do in the intro course. I'm glad you like it. I loved having you in class. All Thank of you. your posts were fascinating. I'm going to miss this class. I am too. Um, students, are, students are very good this semester. Really, really good. Yeah, we've I'm just always has... amazed by how smart they are. I actually, <laughs> I know that sounds like a cliche, but I do learn a lot in especially because my children are old now, they're yeah. older, and I, I'm not part of popular culture. Like when my son was in high school, I used to watch TV. When my daughter was in high school, we watched MTV, which is just oh, yeah. But at least I got to know what was going on. I remember that like crib show was on and Pimp My Ride. And <laughs> so I kind of knew what was going on until I'm – I am in these discussion boards where I learn what you're watching, what you're listening to, what you're doing. So I love teaching online. I feel like I get to know my students almost better than in the classroom because the Definitely. shy ones even talk, you know? Exactly. Well, yeah, you know, you I have to when it's for a grade, you know? <laughs> yeah. You don't have a 
choice. Yeah. Where in the classroom, you can kind of hide. Exactly. I was always one of those hiders. You know, I never said a word. So I understand people who hide in class. I don't think you would ever hide in class. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> very there are some who do. Yes. But on discussion board, you just no place to hide. You you just have to talk. You have to respond. And so exactly. that's why I guess I like it. So, yeah, yeah so I good. do miss being in touch. <laughs> you know, it's like when you're this old, you're really out of touch. And <laughs> so I, writing the book, I had to really get in touch again with, with the popular culture to yeah. really understand envy. Because envy to me is what drives cancel culture. Exactly. Not everybody agrees with that, but I mean, can you see it, the connection at all? I definitely do. I mean, I, and I'm interested to hear more on on your thoughts, but I just look at all these celebrities and especially celebrities when they're the ones that are being canceled. And it's almost just like people are jealous of them and that's why they want to cancel them because something within themselves is just not sitting right. I think so. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And well, like celebrities who might come out as pro-life, that's just like the end of a career for some people. Exactly. Everybody gangs up on them if they're pro-life because Hollywood is embracing Ezeal. He's one of the most talented actors in Hollywood. And he, I mean, he never complains. I, he's I'm very pro-life. Look at Chris Pratt. Do you know much about Chris Pratt? Oh yeah, I love he's him. A Christian. And he's been criticized. I mean, Ellen, Ellen got the whole crowd to come down on him. You know, Ellen, you know, got, all of her viewers to gang up on him because he's Christian, because he actually believes in the word of God. How dare he? (laughs) So we need to cancel him. I have a feeling that there is some envy there because he has such a strong, but I'm like, you go, girl. You you don't have to. At his church, he defended the Bible. It's like, whoa, that doesn't happen too often to see a celebrity defend the Bible. Exactly. He didn't allow the cancel. And that's what I think is important. I know we haven't gotten into what causes cancel culture and all, but to me, if you're being canceled, you fight back harder. Exactly. You don't let them cancel you. <laughs> no exactly. one's going to cancel me. I can tell you that much. <laughs> no one. Because I'm, I refuse to be a victim. Exactly. Because, and it's not because I know I'm right, because I'm not right on everything. I am yep. open. But I know they aren't on, on these things. I know that Ellen isn't right on that. Mm-hmm. She isn't right that the Bible allows same-sex marriage. That's just nonsense. You're, exactly. You know. So I know that some things are wrong. I don't think I'm always right. But cancel culture would stop if people would just stop being victims. Exactly. Crying or apologizing. That's the worst. I mean, did you see the... The Bachelor guy. Do you do you watch The Bachelor? You I don't, don't, but I know. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he was. He defended someone. I can't even remember somebody on the show. And then when they started coming after him, he apologized. And I thought, oh yeah, you're done now because they smell blood in the water. As soon as you start apologizing for the truth, yeah, it's over for you. Exactly. Exactly. You never apologize to the mob. Yeah. Now I'll tell you a little bit about mobbing behavior. Yeah, go for <laughs> it. I have Let's a whole it. chapter in this book, <laughs> <laughs> Politics of Envy, on mobbing behavior. 
And I have several friends who've been mobbed. And what mobbing behavior is, it, the word mobbing comes from the bird world. In the bird world, we used to live on the ocean in Connecticut. And very often we would have these birding episodes where like a hawk or some kind of bird of prey would be like cowering in the bushes while a whole bunch of little tiny birds would be like harassing him, like pecking at, at him, not touching him, but zooming in like they were going to touch him and hurt him. And he's cowering there, this bird of prey who could eat those birds for lunch easily, but they're in a mob and that's called mobbing behavior. Oh, the little birds, they defecate on his head. And eventually he would just like escape skulking away. He wasn't going to have those birds for lunch because they weren't going to allow it. And it's usually the big birds that are mobbed. And so in academia, we call it mobbing behavior because on a college campus, very often the big bird <laughs> on campus, like the best professor, yeah. perhaps like a professor Esselin, Tony Esselin, who is like a very prestigious professor at Providence College. He was mobbed by faculty because he wrote too many books and he was too conservative and they didn't like what he said. And so all faculty got together and they didn't defecate on his head, but they might <laughs> as well have, you know, but they were like little birds all trying to peck him to death. He eventually had to leave. He never apologized, but he just couldn't bear it any longer. At one point he was in his office and they were outside his office window with megaphones calling him racist and homophobic and every name you could think of wow that's mobbing behavior a woman at uc santa cruz was mobbed so badly she was progressive she had a lesbian partner but her crime was she worked too hard and she mm. was too successful and she was the chancellor and she made other people work too hard and they didn't think it was fair she also got a good job for her partner, her lesbian partner, I think it was her wife at the time, and they hated her and they decided to just make her life miserable. So they went to her house, they put an iron pole through her window, glass all over her living room, destroyed her life, and she ended up jumping off a building at UC Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz. I write about her in my book. I have a lot of episodes of suicide after mobbing behavior. Mobbing behavior is cancel culture. It's yeah. just the word that we use to describe academia. The whole chapter is mostly academia. Mobbing behavior occurred at Mount St. Mary's a few years ago. A president came in. A lot of faculty just despised him because he had been very successful in the business world. He'd been a consultant, a hedge fund manager, a finance guy, brilliant, smart, came to their rescue because they were at a D rating in terms of their finances at Mount St. Mary's. And the faculty all ganged up on him and managed to get him out. He said some intemperate remarks and they didn't like them and they got national exposure and they drove him out. He never apologized because he didn't do anything wrong, yeah. but he was driven out and the board let him go. Wow. Now I've never been mobbed. In order to be mobbed, you have to be a superstar. We really do. And I've been <laughs> Are, but not a superstar. <laughs> um, so when I know someone's been mobbed and I when I interview them for the book, first of all, I congratulate them on being mobbed because that means 
you are something good. Yeah. Because in order to bring somebody down, they have to be on a higher plane. And that's exactly. what culture, cancel culture is. There is such envy toward that. I see hate crimes very often driven by envy. Yeah. I, I write a lot about, you've read some of my articles on the mm -hmm. Asian hate crimes. The people who are doing this hate Asians mostly because they're so successful. Wow. If you look at their income, the Asian income, $100,000 a year is the median income in the Asian community. For the black community, it's 45000 So there's tremendous resentment by blacks toward Asians. And so they would like to cancel them all. And there's tremendous resentment from blacks for the Jewish community. Close-knit families, fathers in the home. Now, I'm not saying that to denigrate the black community. I'm mm -hmm. not. You know that. But there is envy there. Yeah. Absolutely. The things they say after the, well, he has everything. He has this. He has that. They want to bring him down. So in, in order to be canceled, you have to have been up there because somebody's trying to bring you down. Wow. And people love to bring people down. That's why I wrote this whole book. Every chapter is a different form of envy. Mm -hmm. I think it's the worst sin in the Bible. And so when we talk about cancel culture as Catholics, we really should look at the Bible and what the Bible has to say. I mean, look at Joseph. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know the story of Joseph and his brothers? Yes. His brothers tried to cancel him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> to tell the father, he's really bad. You know, we got to, why are you, why is he your favorite? He's, he shouldn't be your favorite. We're your favorite. Same thing with Cain and Abel. Think about Abel. Abel had the most pleasing sacrifices to God. I mean, he was sacrificing these animals to God, and God was pleased with that. Cain was sacrificing a lesser sacrifice, and he was sacrificing what he felt like sacrificing. He was so envious of Abel's ability to have favor from God that he had to cancel him. I mean, the ultimate cancel is murder, and mm -hmm. very often murder is driven by envy. You would be surprised how many, I have a whole chapter on crimes of envy. So that cancel culture is woven throughout the Bible. It's everywhere. Yeah. Even Satan, Satan tried to cancel. <laughs> I know that sounds silly and I've never written an article about it, but I always think in terms of Satan and cancel culture, because Satan was very jealous of God. He Absolutely. was very, very jealous, very envious. In fact, if you read Paradise Lost, they use the word envy several times in that in that description of Satan's envy, the covetousness. It's one of the you know the Ten Commandments: "Thou shall not yeah. covet thy neighbor's goods, or that neighbor's wife." You know, exactly. or, to me, or that neighbor, because it's usually what it is. There's this covetousness, this desire to have what that person has, or not even have what that person has to not have that person have what he has. Mm -hmm. There's this joke in, about Russian culture, because Russian culture is, the old Soviet Union culture is known for being an envy culture and a mm -hmm. big cancel culture. And the joke is that there was this two very poor people, peasants living next door to each other, and they both had nothing. I mean, just dirt poor. But one of them had this great cow that gave great milk and the other one didn't have a cow. So one day a genie came along and the genie went to the guy without the cow and said, you have one wish. 
and I can grant you any wish you want. And the genie said, so I'm assuming you'd probably like a cow that gives good milk. And the Russian peasant said, no, I want you to just get rid of, kill that cow. I don't want him to have anything. That's envy. Wow. You don't even want a better life, but you want him to have a bad life. That's envy. That's true envy. The desire to wish the death or the destruction of another person. Wow. And the people that I interviewed for my book understood that very well because there were some that their death was wished for. I mean, their, the rhetoric is horrible. I mean, it's awful. we're hearing it right now, but some people do, they go so far as to wish for the death of another. That's a joke, obviously, in yes. Russia, but there was some truth to it. Yeah. You know, some people just are so hateful and have so much hate in their hearts that they don't even want the good cow. They wouldn't want a, a comparable cow. They want to take away what's making someone happy. And that goes back to Aristotle. Aristotle talks about envy being the wish, the wish ill of someone else. Mm. That a horrible things befall them. I mean, in your life, you must have seen this. Maybe you've never had it happen to you. No, absolutely. I mean, it's just, I live in, you know, I, I did that sociology paper for you in the middle of the semester. Pennsylvania is kind of one of those up and down states where you live in some good areas. And I live in a, you know, pretty wealthy area and I'm very blessed to be there. And the amount of, I would say, unintentional cancel culture of some people that that envy is driving them to be like, well, I, I don't want you to have that. And if I can't have it, you can't have it. Just even looking at the kids where they go to college and, and all these things, it's, there's so much envy in our world. And even social media, you know, I have a platform on social media and just seeing all of my friends being canceled because of things that they've said and standing up for their own truths, it's horrible. And, you know, I would love to hear the stories of them if if it ever gets to that point of <laughs> damaging their windows or, you know, driving them to commit suicide, like it's truly, truly awful. But do you think we as Catholics participate or encourage cancel culture in any way? I think it's a sin we all could participate in. I was a middle child. <laughs> so maybe that's why I wrote the book. I have a very cute little sister. <laughs> I mean, I'd say more. And I had been the youngest. She came along when I was seven. I remember really disliking her a lot. Mm. We're close now. But I understand that sense of loss when you are replaced in a way. And I had a brilliant older sister who was like genius. Mm. And I'm in the middle. So life is good. <laughs> I mean, I life, but I do, I understand the pain people feel when they see someone else having attention or privileges that you don't think you had when I was very young, very young, seven, eight, or nine, I remember. And I, I guard against it so carefully because I think it, it could eat someone apart. And sibling rivalry is really the first rivalry, the first opportunity for envy. And I have a whole chapter about fairy tales because it's very much related to cancel culture, the envy that you see in fairy tales. I don't know if you liked fairy tales growing yeah. up, but I, I love fairy tales. I always read my children. Now I'm reading my grandchildren. Some of them are very frightening. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, 
but Cinderella was canceled by her ugly stepsisters. You know, she was this good, beautiful woman who was made to wear rags and sit by the fireplace and get all dirty Mm -hmm. from all the ashes. Cinderella couldn't go to the ball. And I like to read the original one and I put it in my book, the original one, the stepsisters were so awful. I mean, when the prince came with the glass slipper, they were determined to get into that slipper. So (laughs) their mother took them into the other room and the first one, she cut off her toes with a big blade, a big knife and cut off her toes and they're all bleeding and everything. She said, I can fit in the slipper now. And they're like, the prince is like, I don't think so. So then she takes the second one into the other room, cuts off her heels. I'm not kidding. That's the original Grimm Brothers. It oh gets my worse. Gosh. Cuts off her heels. And the prince is like, oh, no, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> anyway, he finds Cinderella eventually, yeah. you know, because goodness always prevails. And yes. one thing about fairy tales, you can count on the goodness always prevails. So Absolutely. he marries her in this elaborate wedding. And they invite the ugly stepsisters to come to the wedding. And in the Disney version, they're all dressed up in their nice hats and everybody's happy, la, 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 in the Grimm brothers. They're on their way to church. And as they're walking into the church for the wedding, crows come and peck out their eyes. So they're blind. Oh my goodness. (laughs) That's that's the story I told my children. They're very strange children now. No, they're not. No, they're normal, but they still talk about mom and her. I where's my fairy tale book? Yeah, I have the original Grimm's oh, here wow. in my library. I don't want to do that now because <laughs> we're not on TV. Yeah, but it is. It's gruesome. Wow, but it's revealing. And the Disney one isn't good enough. You need to show what happens with a sin because those ugly stepsisters were ugly inside and outside, and that's what I wanted to teach my children. I wanted them to see that when you commit sin, there is a serious punishment. And the Grimm brothers wanted that too. They're very Christian. And so to have your eyes pecked out and the idea of the eyes being pecked out and blinded, that's a biblical thing too. If you've yeah. ever read Dante's Purgatorio, oh, and if yes. you've read that, yes. The people who are envious in Dante are forced to have their eyes sewn shut with wire. So that they can't see others and envy them. And I think, whoa, yeah, that is really, really drastic, but revealing. And in, in Purgatorio, Dante talks about envy as a sin of sight, that you, you're seeing someone, but you're really blind because you don't see the goodness. These ugly stepsisters didn't see the goodness. They were blind to the goodness of Cinderella. And all they saw was what Cinderella had, which was beauty and faith and love and the love of her father. And they were, people don't make much of that, but Cinderella's father did love her a lot and probably didn't care too much for these ugly duckling sisters who were so (laughs) nasty. I wouldn't like them either. Not just because they were ugly, but they were ugly inside. That's why I keep I'm not physically, you know, I'm physically ugly too. But anyway, the ugliness inside came through. That's that's often the case. Yeah. Well. So I use fairy tales a lot. And like I said, I have a whole chapter on fairy tales. The Lion King is one of my favorite. That's a contemporary one. That's a, a cancel culture too, in a way. The envious scar 
envies Mustafa. And that's really a Hamlet story. Shakespeare talks about cancel culture and envy. So yeah, it's everywhere. I mean, it's hard to avoid. Exactly. And we can learn so much from fairy tales, but people don't don't tell their children fairy tales because they think they're too mean. Yeah. I think they're doing a great disservice by not. I mean, there's yeah. so many good ones. Snow White, who's the fairest of them all? Not you. Yeah. <laughs> and she's mad because she's not the fairest of them all. So she has to kill the person who is the fairest. That's you know? so true. Wow, that's a yeah. great perspective. It's all about envy. Most fairy tales are. Singing Bone is about two brothers who have this rivalry. There's a ton. I, you have to read my book, Sophia. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I need to get a copy of it. But no, that's, that's such a great point because I, you know, my parents are very big in watching movies and seeing just this almost inherent Christianity amongst, like, think about Star Wars, you know, good versus evil. Like, that is always the case for a lot of these movies but to think yeah, they're about timeless it, themes you're right exactly and just to put them in perspective of you know envy and looking at the seven deadly sins and, in, and incorporating those into these things it's almost like you are being made to be blind to looking at these sins and yeah. you know it's funny because you're saying like even Shakespeare is talking about cancel culture to me it's only something that's come up in the last year. I've only just kind of started becoming aware of it. So you think it's something that has been around for as long as we can remember? Yes, it's from the time of Christ. <laughs> I think Christ was canceled. The Pharisees yeah. were crazy about Christ. And they kind of ganged up on him, to tell you the truth. I mean, Pilate wouldn't have done what he did. I mean, of course, it was biblical. It was going to happen. Yeah. But Jesus had a lot of power. And they resented that, and they didn't want him to have that power. And so I believe that they all kind of mobbed him. They got together and said, what are we going to do about this guy? <laughs> <laughs> if I'd been there, you know, I would have understood. Yeah. I, I think that's what it was. Certainly it was preordained, but to me, envy is the original sin. Even Eve ate that fruit to get more power. A lot of people say, oh, the sin is pride. The first sin was pride. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I've argued about this with, with Dr. Hahn, Professor Hahn. Oh, Hahn. yeah. He understands envy because a lot of people are very envious of Professor Hahn because he's so brilliant. He, yeah. He's so successful. He publishes widely. He has a big platform. There's a lot of envy. So he understands it, and I did talk with him before I wrote this book, it's very helpful. And we talked about Eve. And Eve was promised by Satan that if she ate that, she too could be powerful. So it is pride was a motivating force, but in a way it was envy. She was envious of Christ, I mean, of God's power, the power of God to create, and she didn't have that. And so she convinced Adam, once she ate it, hey, you too can eat of this fruit of wisdom, tree of wisdom. And mostly it was because Satan convinced them that they shouldn't be taking that from him, you know, from God. Yeah. <laughs> they, they should have the power to. And who does God think he is to say you can't eat from that tree? So I think it was, a lot of people say it was pride, and that's probably what you were taught, so don't, you don't have I see envy everywhere, so that's my problem. <laughs> but I've been writing this book for two years. It just came out in October. Yeah. And I've been talking about it and writing articles. 
say, I see a lot of envy right now in, in politics, mm-hmm. this desire to, for people who have less to bring down the people who have more. I mean, the guillotine, did I have you read the article about the guillotine? Oh, yes. <laughs> and drives that. That guy that put up the guillotine is very envious of Jeff Bezos. And I'm not a big yeah. fan of Jeff Bezos. I think he's well hard and he owns too much, but I'm not going to take it away from him. Yeah. And I certainly don't think he should go to the guillotine. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. I think envy drives a lot of that. They yeah. would like to cancel Jeff Bezos. They're trying to cancel the police. I mean, the, we're just living in a very, very outwardly envious time. Envy has always been hidden and people would hide it. Now there's no hiding it. People exactly. ran on it. You know, Joe Biden and all those Democrats ran on a platform of envy. Elect me and we'll take down the rich. That's what they were saying. Mm-hmm. We're going to tax the rich. We're going to tax anybody that makes over 400000 Elizabeth Warren called them fat cats. Oh my <laughs> and, you know, there are rich people in the world. Some of them work very hard to get there. I don't feel envy toward them. But that's how they yeah. got elected. That's how we have our new presidential administration is through really trying to cancel rich people. Exactly. That's a great point. I mean, I look at all these people and, you know, I'm thinking of Kylie Jenner. You know, she's not too much older than I am. She worked hard for her money. Maybe some of it she did have as a family inheritance, you could say. But she's creating these multi-billion, million-dollar companies. And, you know, I have my own business as a web designer. And I work hard for my money. And will people my age be jealous or envious? probably. But do you think that we could be innocently or unknowingly canceling people by just our daily actions or daily words that we say? Yeah, I think so. I'm sure that there are people that would think they could do a better job than you. Yeah, I don't think so. (laughs) They they probably there. I'm sure there are people that resent you. I mean, you can't think about that, though. And you don't think about that. Yeah. I'm sure you don't. That's not what motivates you to be better. Exactly. Um, because you wouldn't have been as successful as you are. That's not a motivating force. You do it because you love it. You want to yeah. bring a good word to people. Your faith inspires you. You're not driven by envy to show them off. Where That's a negative way. And that's that's how camp thinks of culture emerges. It's I wish crazy. it would stop, but it's not going to because nobody's ashamed of it anymore. Yeah. There used to be a word called Schadenfreude. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Schadenfreude is a German word and it's happiness at the misery or the misfortune of someone else. There are people that get happy when bad things happen to other people, especially if those people that the bad things are happening to were successful. It's called shaving fruit. I wish we had it in our language because S-C-H-A-E-D-E-N-F-R-E. Schadenfreude, German. Wow, that's crazy. Um, yeah, it's a car company once used it. Car companies use Envy all the time to sell cars. Yeah. And, you know, Envy is a great marketing tool. Excuse me, my phone's going off. I should, I just, I'll turn it off. <laughs> Step one with podcasts. You don't have your phone on. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's Getting totally a whole fine. bunch of messages. Nothing <laughs> important. Don't worry. <laughs> That's good. Um, 
But do you think that there's any sort of tangible, I mean, like you said, there's tangible, you know, examples of cancel culture other than just smashing in people's windows or something? How can we really start to identify cancel culture before we see it start to happen, even in ourselves? Well, I think it's common sense to know when people make snide remarks to you, you know that you're on your way to being canceled. Especially if you've been extremely successful at something, you won an award or something. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the best way. But social media is the worst. It's just the worst. I'm on Facebook only because I like to load my articles there, but I don't get involved in the arguments and the silliness because even old people could cancel each other. They do. It yeah. happens all the time. I have to say, I feel envy once in a while. Like when we were living in Connecticut and I had grandchildren here in Florida and I wasn't seeing them. And then I'd see somebody else, a, a friend of mine who's a grandma doing some kind of craft with their grandchildren or taking them to the theater or the ballet. It's like, yeah. oh, <laughs> and I didn't want them to like fall or something. <laughs> I, mean, I, I kind of envy but twangs of jealousy. And jealousy is different from envy. Yeah. But jealousy is usually wanting to protect a valued relationship. So I have a valued relationship with my grandchildren, and I want to protect that if someone were to come in and try to destroy that, that would be, you know, jealousy can be positive. Envy can never be positive. Mm. And that's why I, we saw that somebody's having crafts with their grandchildren if I didn't see it on Facebook. Some things maybe we shouldn't be posting yeah. to, but we just do. Like if somebody gets this great book contract with a great publisher, I'm like, hmm, I wish I got that. But I don't <laughs> wish ill. I'm happy for them. And I'll write, yeah. yay, yay, three exclamation points. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we all have to guard against it. It's a horrible emotion. But social media, there's so much research on the more you are on social media, Instagram's much worse than Facebook, too. Oh, absolutely. Because of all the, the images and the short things. And mm -hmm. Yeah, much worse in terms of envy and cancel culture, I think. And Twitter's just the worst of all of them. I am off Twitter, completely <laughs> off Twitter. Because I get, I get attacked on Twitter a lot. I was. And yeah. there's this one guy, his website's called Slowly Boiled Frog, and he, for some reason, he just despises me. <laughs> so uh, on Twitter, he used to just like unmerciful to any article I wrote. He just went out of his way to trash it and oh. say nasty things. That's why when I give these articles to students, I'm not unhappy at all when they disagree because you would not believe how vehemently some people disagree with my writing. Because <laughs> I'm out there. And when yeah. you put yourself out there, you have to be willing to take the slings and arrows because they come. They just totally. do. And that's the way life is. Yeah. I'm always happy to have a conversation. Because you, even you probably don't agree with everything I say. Some people think, oh, you're blaming the black community for Asian hate crime. No, I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to understand it. And if we look at the demographics of who's committing the hate crimes on Asians, it's really not Danish people. And it's not a lot of white people. But it is some white people who live in their neighborhoods. So right. it isn't just blacks. But the overwhelming majority in New York City hate crime is a black Asian thing. Exactly. And envy drives that. Yeah. So I've gotten a lot of flack on that. <laughs> so I'm glad you read the article. You didn't attack me. But some people have. <laughs> and even in our class, 
Yeah. I don't think it's envy. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) With no evidence to back it up whatsoever. (laughs) Yeah, you don't have to agree with me. I'm sure you read some of those comments. They don't hurt my feelings. Yeah, I mean. I guess I'm old enough. I don't have feelings anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I just think that there's just some people where they they're envious that you came up with that theory. Well, not you specifically, but they're envious yeah. people came up with the theory of envy themselves. So they're going to try every way that they can to disagree with you. And it's it's just really interesting. I would really love to have like a psychology class to go off of this where why are people yeah, disagreeing so with you? Yes, exactly. Very different. In terms of just the way we look at suicide, Absolutely. where I see it as external factors, psychologists look at it as all internal factors factors and so I've had debates with psychologists about suicide why people commit suicide and they always look at biochemical reasons and I say well how do you explain men more than women well men have more biological issues right then I say well how do you explain why Montana and Wyoming what you've seen this week in suicide data much more likely like three times the number of the rate of suicide in Montana versus Washington DC Mm-hmm. Well, they can't explain that very well, except say, well, you know, it must be there's more clinical depression. No, actually not. No, it's because there's more white, older men that live in Wyoming and Montana than in Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. is filled with narcissists and African-Americans, <laughs> neither of which commit suicide. Right. African-Americans are highly unlikely to commit suicide. They just are. They're embedded in a community. They're more religious. They do not commit suicide at near the rates, probably less than half the rates of whites. Wow. So it's, gonna... it's demographic. It's not psychological. Yeah. Now, you certainly have to be depressed to commit suicide. Right. But it's, that's, not, that's not the part that makes you jump off a bridge. Exactly. Just... You're giving me all the tips for my discussion board post. I yes, and now you what you're right. <laughs> exactly. Montana. Montana's always number one or two. Is that's it, crazy. Why do you think? Well, the rugged individualist culture, a lot of white males and older former veterans, and a lot of veterans end up in Montana, and veterans are much more likely to commit suicide. That's, wow. All of that is sociological. There's nothing psychological. Exactly. <laughs> nothing. Exactly. And That's even why though... I love psychology, because they couldn't explain anything for me. Yeah. I team taught a course with a psychologist once who was so nice and so smart and I used to make fun of her all the time. So I feel like I should probably apologize. But she used <laughs> to like bring a brain into the, like a, a, a model of a brain. And I just like laugh at her because she said, this is the amygdala. This is why juveniles commit crime. I'm like, this is a house who lives in a gang infested neighborhood who has no father in the house. This is why juveniles commit crime. So it's like <laughs> the amygdala or the gang-infested neighborhood. Exactly. exactly. I used to win that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, that's why sociology has just opened up so many perspectives for me. And I'm glad I took it before I take a psychology course, which I'm going to take. Yeah, and then all. you're like, she told me lies. <laughs> no. But no, it just, I, then you make up your own mind. It just makes so much sense in so many things. Like there are just so many external factors that we have I to discuss. You're right. That, I mean, I love psychology because, and I love, I love Jordan Peterson, but he's a oh, social yeah. psychologist. Yeah. There is a lot to psychology that that's very valuable. And I would never, I make fun of it, but I would never, ever want to, 
I'm grateful I have that background. Absolutely. It just didn't explain the kind of emotional problems I was seeing in the school district. It just didn't. I mean, these kids weren't malnourished. They came from wealthy families. They had broken families or they had trauma. Nothing to do with their amygdala, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But no, the psychologist would say, oh, but their brain was changed by trauma. But that's sociological. I think that course is taught by Dr. Swarm. She's brilliant and wonderful. It's a course in social psychology. You'll feel at home there because it's not a rejection of what I've taught you. It's more right. of a melding of the two. So That's awesome. Like that. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited to have kind of this both perspective of psychology and sociology. You know, I'll, I'll talk to you in December once I'm finished with the class okay. and see which one I like That's better. I'll be back on campus in the fall, so oh, I'd good. love to get to know you in person. Yeah. Are you at home? No, I'm at home, so I'm an online, yeah. just online-only student, so yeah. 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 So. yeah. But I do have another question. So what should our response be to cancel culture as Catholics? Is it something that we could just completely reject altogether, or should it Fight. be something that is circumstantial? <laughs> Fight. And if, if don't, just tell them to stop it. And I say that in my book, like if the dean of Providence College outside Tony Eslin's office, cut it out. We all want to be part of the crowd. We all want to be part of the birds that are defecating on the hawk. We all want to, because it's so much fun to gang up on people. And I think it's unfortunate. I, I, I wouldn't find it fun. I I'm a fighter <laughs> and I guess I'm scrappy and they would feel very badly. And make. But at the moment, you don't see it that way. Cancel culture, you're swept up with that. You know, that's what culture is all about. The new norms that they're yeah. learning, the new values. You don't even think anymore. That's that's mob theological. There, there are some psychological theories about mob behavior, contagion theory, but I think it's all sociological. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So do you have any, I guess, last words of advice or anything about how we as individuals or as people who have influence to how can we start to reject and fight against cancel culture? Well, be strong. I think we have an advantage as Catholics or Christians, all Christians, in that we can look at Christ because Christ was ganged up on, obviously, when he became man and came down and suffered and died for us. Uh, That would not have been possible if the crowd had just thought about it for a minute. This is a good man, you know? Why are we doing this? But certainly it was was in the Bible. It had to happen. It was prophesied. It had to happen. You know, we know that. But... When it's happening to us, or we, God forbid, are part of canceling someone, I think it's much harder for Catholics to be part of that. Even though I think it happens on every campus, even good Catholic campuses, it happens much less at Franciscan. I haven't seen a single episode of module, because I've worked on several campuses, three, no, four, because I taught at the University of Hartford. And there was a cancel there was a cancel culture in each of those. And I have not seen that. I've seen envy, Mm -hmm. but not cancel culture. 
maybe you have with students and if so (laughs) you wouldn't want to get yourself in trouble Um, because there's a whole thing about masks right now I don't know if that's part of cancel culture Mm. the mask controversy and then the traditional Latin mask controversy for cancel culture but I just don't see it at Franciscan I think we're blessed it's one of the reasons I went there because I just didn't want to be in a school where I have to deal with that kind of yeah and I'm glad to be there so the more we can act like Christ I end my book with this because he was a very Christ-like figure and he sacrificed I don't know if any of your listeners I find it inspiring because it is cancel culture the whole ship decided you know Mm-hmm. But it really wasn't the whole ship. Most of them loved Billy Bud, but he was this beautiful sailor who was good and innocent. And there was this evil, evil person who just wanted him gone because he was so envious of his goodness. Mm-hmm. And he sacrificed himself. Sometimes you have to turn the other cheek. Well, I always say fight, fight, fight. But sometimes, I mean, you don't want to, sometimes you have to. And that's what Tony Aslan did. He went to another school. He just left. Because he said, I can't do this anymore. Not mm-hmm. to my family. Sometimes turn the other cheek. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. But I mean, sometimes. They get turned the other cheek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the last question is where can people connect with you if they want to get in touch with you and buy all of your wonderful books and read your amazing articles? But my book is The Politics of India. I hope people will read it because in order to understand cancel culture you have to understand envy yeah so you, your book is available through sophia press right right sophia press or amazon yeah dr hendershot thank you so much for joining us today it was such an amazing conversation and i know i'm going oh. to walk away with just amazing insights and perspectives on you know how i am in the world with cancel culture and how we can really start to root out envy at the source. So thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Sophia. Thanks, you. It was fun. It's great to talk with you. I'm happy to meet you. Yeah, me too. So again, thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's episode of Here and Out podcast. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.